you struggle with turning your thoughts and ideas into tangible goals? Like trying to get into the career you have always wanted, but are afraid of, or creating a more organized living space? How about improving your financial health or finding ways to be more authentic in relationships? My favorite. Organize with Ollie is a compassion-led and customized coaching practice that helps you be more productive, find intuitive work-life integration, increase self-worth, and achieve your goals. They are offering the first 10 magical souls who sign up 50% off your first three sessions. Please use code SB50 on OrganizeWithOllie.com or direct message on Instagram at OrganizeWithOllie. Again, use code SB50 to get 50% off your first three sessions on OrganizeWithOllie.com or on Instagram at OrganizeWithOllie. And you can find these in the show notes. Chat soon. is an orgasm empowerment coach. She is a certified sex coach, jade egg practitioner, and the pelvic floor queen. Her courses and one-to-one coaching bring you from the practical knowledge into the magical world of sacred sexuality, guiding you into your unique authenticity by healing your trauma through somatic practices to find your most empowered self, all through learning the power of your unique orgasmic experience in the bedroom and in your life. This is such a juicy episode. I loved this conversation. I am so thrilled to introduce to you Nadia LeDrew to the show. I'm with Nadia. They are an orgasm empowerment coach. Pronouns are she, they. Nadia, can you introduce yourself to our audience? Hi there. I'm so grateful for having me here. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm Nadia. I'm an orgasm empowerment coach, and I work with women and vulva-bodied beings, non-binary, to reclaim their sacred sexuality, reclaim their power, work through their trauma, and find power through reconnecting to their intuition and orgasms. Mm. So I use orgasms for healing. (laughs) I love that. I have myself used sacred sexuality as a healing journey from sexual abuse. So I would love for you to just dig into your history and how you got involved in this line of work. Yeah, so it's interesting. I had quite a neglected childhood. I spent a lot of time alone. My mom was a workaholic. My dad was an alcoholic. My sister was a narcissist. Mm. So... I spent a lot of time, like, observing the world. I would play with, like, Barbies for hours on end alone, and I just loved to observe. And also, in my childhood, I battled with chronic illness. I went to many different doctors. I had a lot of mental distress, out-of-control emotions, also physical pain. So something inside me was just screaming to heal. And every doctor I went to turned me down. They were just like, oh, nothing's actually wrong with you. You're lazy or, you know, all these kind of random negative things. They just didn't believe me. And my parents kind of sloughed it off. So when I was a teenager, I started 
reading Cosmo. That was like my first like sex intro. And Cosmo, I don't even, I can't remember the first one I got in my hands, but oh my gosh, when I opened a Cosmo, I just lit up. I was like, blowjob tips? Like, what's a blowjob? <laughs> and I'm finding this out. It just spoke to me somehow. And my older sister was a bit sexual and talking about it and stuff and so I remember like filling my friends in in junior high like what things were and stuff and I lost my virginity very young I actually was really lucky because I had a I have a really good um first time experience which I don't think is normal actually (laughs) good for you But yeah, sex just started to light me up. It was crazy. I had this boyfriend and we were in love, you know, teenage love at like 14, 15. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to have sex everywhere. I was just like crazy for it. It's where I lit up. It's where I felt alive. And it's where I wasn't sick anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's where I wasn't in pain because, you know, all the physiological things that happen during sex so I just was obsessed with it (laughs) and then eventually when we broke up um, I was just very promiscuous like I said it was just what made me feel good Um, so then I actually ended up traveling the world a lot and I experienced a lot of the world and culture through sex um, a lot of gender fluidity through sex Um, I learned, you know, about two-spirited and transgender and all these things um, because I would go to the gay club from 16 with my fake ID and in Calgary, there's only one gay club. So everyone had to get along and it was just this smorgasbord of like sexual interaction. (laughs) So it was awesome. I just experienced so many things there. And I was allowed to just really be free because in my life, I was just trying to fit into this box. I was trying to not be sick. I was trying to not be over emotional and things like this. Um, So that's kind of how it all started. And then eventually it got to a place where I moved to Vancouver and um, I was uh, teaching Pilates. So I work with the body a lot. And um I went on this retreat for a jade egg retreat. <laughs> You've probably heard of jade egg. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's this egg you put up your pussy. And as soon as I read that, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. So I went to the jungle um, in Costa Rica with um, 10 women. And this amazing woman, Nicole, led us. And before we put it inside of us, She told us we have to ask our pussy for permission. And this moment significantly changed my life. I was like, I've never asked my body. Has every sexual experience I've ever had, you know, been rape or what has it been? And I mean, like, I've had, I've been raped. I've been raped from all types of experience, you know, the like hold you down rape, saying screaming no. I've also had it um, with the nuanced way. So this really just set me on a passionate road to, you know, working to change other people's lives in this. And I got certified with um, Vita Tantric Institute uh, with Layla Martin, if you've heard of her. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've done her coaching program and it just it was everything everything clicked like it, it was the sisterhood it was the community it was everything I'm good at in mm. one place and oh I just love this career that I'm in now <laughs> oh my goodness I have tears in my eyes your story just is so beautiful and like it resonates with me so much because I discovered the jade egg in 2016 when I was in a very uh, violent relationship through Layla Martin and I've always oh. wanted to do her coaching course so I'm oh just gosh. like so intrigued and your story is just it really aligns with me and I think it's a beautiful journey of self-discovery yeah, I'm actually writing a book too. It's called Memoirs of a Traveling Slut. Oh, so I love that. it's just about me being a slut oh, <laughs> around the world. That's so and cool. Like, it, I've literally touched so many interactions through sex. Like, I have had caviar at Spago. I have, <laughs> you know, I used to have sex with this in this refugee camp with this Damn. lover of mine in Palestine and like I just and we'd like sneak around so I just literally touched so many experiences and sex is where the vulnerability is it's where the deep intimacy is and I love intimacy I mean I just shared my story up front I you know just met you so I love these kind of conversations and that's yeah. where that's where sex is like mm. sex is you know that deep place where we're just ripped open and vulnerable mm. so that's also why I tune to it so much for sure I have always wanted to go on one of those retreats that's like <laughs> the funnest thing I could imagine doing like honestly <laughs> Yeah, you'll have to come on mine. I'm for having one sure. next year um, that's in the works right now. So, yeah. <laughs> Super cool. I would love to touch on healing from trauma because it's quite interesting. A lot of my own trauma, interpersonal trauma, has been sexual abuse, sexual assault, rape, and things like that. But that's also where we have the potential to find our deepest healing is through sexual healing. So can you talk about that a little bit more on how healing trauma and the jade egg, how they all kind of are connected. Yeah, this is so amazing in this work in Tantra and Taoism. So um, there's three parts to the brain, the cortex, limbic, and primal. I don't know if you've heard of those. So the cortex is your thinker, but it's also your um, like fight or flight response. So if it feels in danger, you're going to stay in your head. That's what brain your brain responds to first because, you know, it first is survival. And then our limbic, it's like the heart um, associated with the heart and emotions. So this is, you know, where we have these more emotional experiences. And then there's the primal, which is more known with like the sacral and deeper in the body, uh, but also known with like your gut and like trusting your gut and such. So it's just deeper than, you know, your thinker and your emotional, mm -hmm. you go even deeper. So what happens in sex is a couple things. One is physiologically, it brings you out of your head, but it can also bring you into your emotions and um, liberate your emotions. So if you've ever cried during sex <laughs> or like had a laughing attack during sex <laughs> or things like that, when you just like, I don't, you can't control it and you just let an emotion flow, that's the limbic liberating. And then deeper than that 
is our primal. So that's where sex can get very, you know, like start growling or I even take it to levels where like I'm speaking tongues and doing all kinds of crazy manifestation shit and witchy (laughs) stuff and my neighbors hate me. (laughs) I'd love to be your neighbor. That sounds fun. They love me. Um, so what happens there is when we reach that part of our brain and this physiological way of doing it. So breathing, like the panting can bring us there, the motion, the movement. Um, and then hopefully when we feel as safe as possible and create safety for ourselves, that's where we can really get down there. And that's where things are stuck. So if you've ever read the body keeps the score, yeah, I don't always recommend it to people because it's quite a traumatizing book. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but the basis of it is that our body holds trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's not just from our lifetime or what we remember. Mm-hmm. So it can be ancestral. It can be something we completely didn't remember happened to us. And our body holds us there. So when we get in that primal state, that's how we liberate it. So then orgasm... Um, what's so amazing about it is it, like physiologically as well, it um, relaxes you, it gets your blood flowing, it's, it's sometimes a tension and release orgasm, um, it also drains your cortisol, so things like that, but also it's that state that you're in that then all these kind of magical healing can happen, so what I do is actually, I eventually coach you into learning how to heal with your orgasm. So if you've heard of like ayahuasca or um, psilocybin now and MDMA therapy, these are all great therapies, medicines, and I think they're awesome. But I also recently took on sobriety just over a year ago. And orgasm is a sober way of reaching it you know the dmt experience with breathing like deep into your lungs Mm -hmm. these like have you ever had sex where you're like you're seeing stars (laughs) or like things like this like weird messages might come and stuff like that if you are open to it it will help heal the body liberate and then you can also call things in so Mm -hmm. i get you into coaching you into a way of finding your own healing and you can dictate it instead of like a drug experience where the drug controls a bit more of what's going on so that's a question (laughs) yes it's that um that sex magic manifestation that's like yeah masturbate and meditating it's just like so powerful it's a full body experience Yeah, and what you said there, masturbating, that's the number one way to learn how to do any of this. Because that's where we feel the safest typically is with ourselves first. I mean, a lot of people do feel safer with a partner, but relearning how to find safety with yourself first will bring you so much further. And there was another point I had on, um, on trauma. Oh, yeah, trauma, the idea is that Like I now have experiences where I'm so safe with my partner and I'm having sex with them and my rape is coming up Mm -hmm. and I'm healing it simultaneously with my pleasure. So this is a big part of Tantra is putting pleasure beside these unpleasant things. So, you know, typical society, we know like good and bad in Tantra, there's no good and bad. It's just 
a spectrum and we're trying to expand our experience. So the further you expand into your shadow work, you might've heard of that, then the further you're gonna expand into your ecstasy. And a lot of people like just wanna get stuck in the ecstasy or stuck in the sexual summer, but it's not about that. You wanna go back down to earth. You wanna go under earth into the depths of the fire and bring pleasure beside you as the tool. And if you feel pleasure while you're going there, that's what MDMA does, right? It makes you feel pleasure and unconditional love while you go to your deepest, darkest places. And orgasm can do that completely sober. It's incredible. Ugh, I'm such a proponent of that. I, I literally tell everyone I masturbate at least five days a week. I'm like, I'm going to live to 150. Like the magic that it does to transform and heal your body is just out of this world. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And, you know, using things like sound um, and movement these things um, open it so much more and it's really amazing when you find it with yourself then you can bring it into partnership um, interactions yeah i would love to bounce off of that with the open-mindedness and sexual curiosity that you have is just so admirable to me because I am the same way. Like I'll try anything. Uh, like when I <laughs> saw the jade egg, I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is, but I'm going to put it up my pussy. Like what, you know, like it's just, I'm into fun things like that. But how about people that might, um, you know, not be having as great as a time with sex. I know plenty of people, myself included, who has had so many bad sexual experiences, whether it was, numbing dissociating from our body it felt like our partner was selfish and didn't care about our orgasm or we can Mm -hmm. come by ourselves but not with a partner so what would you say to those people that they're like sex isn't fulfilling to me i'm not getting satisfied yeah i would say to start with two things two of my favorite things that i start with every client first one is sex is not just like penetration or having sex Sex is pleasure in your life, anywhere you go, everywhere you go. So start noticing pleasure, like the water dropping on your skin when you're having a shower. Smell the frickin' flower when you're walking to work. These kinds of things. Or wear the nice jewelry. You know, these kinds of things. Letting yourself indulge and feel pleasure. And then the second one is starting to talk to your genitals. So talking to your pussy. It sounds crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just witchy. <laughs> so your pussy is something we're actually so disconnected from, right? Patriarchy, um, school teaches you horrible things, um, you know, ads, all these things, right? Keeps us so far away from it. So just starting to talk to her or they, um, just asking like do you like this outfit or like hey what's up i just did a reel on it like that's the first thing just be like hey what's up what's up, what's up pussy? girl <laughs> the name for her maybe you don't call her pussy i mean i love that word i re- i'm reclaiming it yes. so <laughs> um but yeah find a name or a word for her and start talking to her and asking her what she desires and then working your way into consent And I bet you just those three tips will be life-changing. 
Um, and then, you know, you can go even deeper into it. It gets into inner child work and, um, you know, like I said, orgasm mastery and all kinds of other things. But those three tips, just finding pleasure everywhere and indulging in it because we're, we don't feel worthy of it. We don't feel we deserve it. So starting to shift that, talking to her and then um, consent, like working with consent in her asking her uh, before you do things does she like this and if it's a no is it a hard no or is there a way we can get to yes that's another thing too my lover literally last night he brought his dog over for the first time and this dog barks a lot (laughs) it stresses me out (laughs) but anyway so I was like not relaxed and then I was like well why don't you just like try seducing me a bit and then he took his time seducing me oh my gosh, like we had amazing sex after. So what can you do to get to a yes? This is another thing. It's a lot of people are hard no's and that can be great in a lot of situations, but it's also balancing your no as well. And how can you step into yes? And maybe stepping into yes is like, okay, I need one-on-one coaching or I need to do a program or I need a month of winter to start stepping into spring, you know, things like that, right? honoring honoring no honoring the time it takes as well yeah that's really interesting because I was going to ask you about when people experience pain during sex particularly Mm. vulva owners a lot of women complain that you know the sex is painful or it's just um it feels like for their partner if they're particularly this is in heterosexual pv sex that it could feel very just uncomfortable um And you mentioned the consent piece, which was interesting and asking your pussy, like, is this a yes or a no? Because I feel like, at least I'll personally speak, a lot of times I've just rushed into sex when maybe Mm -hmm. my body wasn't ready. I just like shove it in and it's like, ouch, but I'm going to keep going to please my partner. So can we talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about that? I think that all ties together with consent and listening to your body. Have you read Come As You Are? Yes. yes. Love that Fabulous book. book. Highly recommended to anyone. That's another like first thing I Staple. give to people yeah. as well. Um, and it just talks about the difference between like your body not necessarily being ready and your mind thinking mm-hmm. something different and vice versa. Um, so when it comes to pain, I mean, very few cases are physiological, like are physical, mm-hmm. um, but it, it is it is a thing. Um, but a lot of it is the dearmoring work. So because we have you know gone beyond our boundaries so many times, yeah. even unknowingly, maybe our grandmother did against her boundaries. Right? We don't even know if it's in our lifetime. Um, that's when it can, our pussy will close up (laughs) literally and, um, go against, you know, what we might desire. There's a couple things here. So one of them, um, I'm also a pelvic floor specialist and I talk about right now a lot about, um, the Kegel and how I hate it (laughs) and it's patriarchal, outdated way of feeling with our pelvic floor it's all about like clenching your pussy to be tighter like what the fuck is that okay (laughs) like that's for a penis like it's just ridiculous because actually about 50 percent of us are too tight Mm -hmm. and clench too much so you have to learn how to concentrically contract eccentrically 
contract, isometrically contract, and also completely release, like any muscle in your body. If you just take your arm right now and you reach it out away from you, and then you bend your hand towards your head, your muscle is concentrically contracting in your bicep. Now, if you only do those bicep curls, you'd never push away, you're going to get it so tight and bulked, which a lot of people like, (laughs) Um, you know, like then they can't like walk. And, you know, we all know those guys who go to the gym so much concentrically and like walk like robots, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we don't want our pussy to be robots. We don't, we want, you know, the oil and the lube, right? You want to get it a massage to be able to completely relax it as well. So physiologically, one, like that's something um, you can go to my link in bio. I have the pussy pull up. This is kind of the beginning of what you should be doing instead, pulling upwards as opposed to just clenching together. Um, and then, yeah, there's this dearmoring and penetration. So it's about going really slow. It's about touching, you know, behind your neck or within your elbow joint and working your way down and a lot on the outside before you go inside. And that's another thing too, talking about jade egg and yoni eggs. I actually, as a pelvic floor specialist would say, jade eggs are really advanced. Like anyone who's like, tries to use one and nothing happens and they, or it hurts or something like that, like don't feel bad because honestly, it's very advanced. I, I would not just like shove it up you and try <laughs> to do it that way. Going very, very slow, um, you know, penetration can take a lot of time sometimes and honoring that and going slow and talking to your pussy. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah, that's such good advice. And I personally feel like it's really important to be with a partner that's going to honor you. Um, and not rush you, not pressure you, not set these expectations. Like you have to be ready in two seconds where it takes, I think on average 20 minutes for the, the vulva to get, you know, be ready for penetration. So I feel like having a safe partner that's reassuring and, um, like just honors that space that you want to set for yourself and those boundaries is super critical. Yeah. Creating safe space man oh man I mean we do not have that in our world we don't have that in our life Uh, you know BIPOC people especially on top of it it's just it's relentless and you know anyone who thinks women and non-binary people are equal like it is a lie (laughs) you know we fight every day like there's this amazing article I read once and it was from a man's perspective and he was just one of the lines he said was Uh, When I walk home at three in the morning, I'm looking for a taco. And, Mm. you know, my female counterpart is looking not to be raped on her way home, right? It's just completely different worlds we live in and creating safety and finding ways for your partner to understand that. um, That's when, you know, the divine masculine can hold the space and the divine feminine can surrender and it doesn't have to be male and female it's not like a man holding it for a woman a woman can hold divine masculine for a woman totally um so yeah it's just this holding the foundation and the safety 
so your partner can surrender into it and it's incredible like when i'm with a male lover i'm trying to do that for male lovers too because i'm pretty good at surrendering now (laughs) so you know i'm trying to get them to surrender i'm like you could be multi-orgasmic as well like (laughs) yes Oh so my gosh. sometimes men are the ones who hold back the most actually for so. sure for sure that is so yeah. powerful that's that was my goal um this year one of the resolutions I, I want to really have a nipple orgasm <laughs> I feel like that would be so cool <laughs> well I've got another really good tip for that So we have our pudendral nerve, which is going through the bottom of our spine into our pelvis. And that's what's typically stimulated when you're stimulating your clit. So when you want to stimulate your vagus nerve, which goes through your whole spine and whole torso, which would be more in the nipple area as well, you can make noise, a voice screaming, panting, fake it till you make it, make noise, that will help stimulate the whole body more and it will help nipple orgasms. <laughs> oh, good to know. Yeah, that, yes. <laughs> Ooh, I know that vocalizing and breathing are so important. Like I've noticed when I personally am engaging in solo sex, like the difference between the orgasm when I'm holding my breath versus the, the depthness and the satisfaction when I'm taking full body breaths. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I just can't believe it. Like, I'm a singer now. Like, I'm an opera singer. <laughs> I had no voice before. And uh, now the thing I can reach with my voice, I can't believe it. But it's because I've surrendered and opened it. And, you know, the vocal cords, um, there's that photo going around sometimes the vocal cords and the um, pelvic floor and how they look like exactly the same. And um, they're completely mm-hmm. attached as well. Like, People who grind their teeth at night or have a lot of jaw clenching or tension in their jaw, often it's from your pelvic floor clenching, which is also from like trauma, holding and this kind of stuff. Oh, I was just going to say that because as a domestic violence survivor, I feel like my throat chakra was super blocked. It still is. I'm working on clearing it, but it's so interesting that like, you said now I'm a singer and I think it all ties in with like finding your voice and Mm -hmm. healing that trauma. I think it can be a result, especially if you've been in situations where you were sexually violated, a lot of survivors feel like they had their voice taken from them. So reclaiming that and finding your inner power and just embodying that inner voice and trusting yourself, I think is just tremendously healing. hundred percent. You know, a lot of, um, this sexual violence happens, you know, either when you're saying nothing or you're screaming no, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, even um, as a child, every single report card I've ever had says Nadia talks too much. <laughs> so, you know, how much have we been told to shut up yeah. our whole lives? And you know, now I'm doing a controversial um, work that I do, and you know, I get told off sometimes. <laughs> so, right, like it doesn't end. <laughs> just because like I found some liberation yeah. <laughs> it doesn't end and I have to keep working on it too and um yeah so this in the past you know I was told off all the time and I had these more explosive emotions mm-hmm. and then now I try to honor honor my voice and say things out loud and you know if you tell me to shut up well <laughs> I've got some more to say 
Yes, advocating for yourself. I definitely, in this next half of the show, I want to talk about, you mentioned explosive emotions and controversy, Mm -hmm. and I know that we, prior to recording, uh, said that we wanted to talk about BPD. So I'd Mm -hmm. love to hear your experience. I myself um, have been diagnosed with BPD. I resonate very deeply with the diagnosis. So I would love to hear your thoughts about it and what the controversial... Uh, idea you have around it is I'm very intrigued yes um so BPD so like I said I had a lot of explosive emotions as a kid um things were always extremes for me they were always like you know extreme one way and extreme the other way like at the same time I, I always explain to people like I live in this world where black and white and they're like okay so you live in gray I'm like no 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 I live in black and white simultaneously yes. <laughs> yeah which is so tantra yes. <laughs> like I said I could be healing my rape in full pleasure Literally. at the same time what the fuck right mind blown it's hard for people to get it when yeah. they don't have BPD. Yeah, that's <laughs> but true. um yeah So I was seeking and seeking. I I went to so many therapists. Um, I had the craziest things told to me, like, get a nine to five job and that will solve your problems. You're not actually depressed. Um, I was also told, take an ibuprofen and a uh, Tylenol every day and your pain will go away. And I'm like, what the the fuck? I'm not going to name out loud the demographic that those were suggested from, but yeah, (laughs) um, definitely outdated advice and horrible advice. Terrible. So I was seeking and seeking. Finally, I found this doctor and she was like, you're not bipolar. I think you have BPD. And I was like, okay, what the hell is this? And then I started looking into it. I was like, oh my God, I identify with this so much. Like I seek out extreme situations. Like I literally hitchhiked alone in Iraq. Okay. Like I've done crazy shit. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. I hear about it in memoirs of a traveling. (laughs) (laughs) But like I've done crazy stuff and um, I just would seek out because like the world I lived in was this like box and no one wanted to hear what I had to say. Um, you know, teachers would bully me all the time, especially male teachers, you know, cause I was not a good little girl who sat there and shut up, mm-hmm. you know, these kinds of things. So then I did DBT therapy, um, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's dialectical behavior therapy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it really was life changing because it was somewhere where one, I could not shock my therapist. <laughs> Normally I would like say something to my therapist and they would be like, uh, there's something wrong with you. Or, like, give me their like moral playground and I was like what are you talking about like I'm smarter than you (laughs) (laughs) so DVD did that and then it also um taught me more it taught me more about like just about psychology in general like it would it's more of like a teaching therapy as opposed to just like let's just go into your past and know that's why you do this and that never spoke to me so it really helped me that way But then um, in the past few years, I've been thinking more about BPD. And one, I would say mine is way more regulated because of all the nervous system work I do. And then I also learned so much more about the nervous system because I finally got diagnosed with Lyme disease. 
So it's an incredible journey because I always say the gifts of Lyme disease, <laughs> which is hell, but also, you know, put me on my healing journey, right? Absolutely. So because my body's not as in much distress, my nervous system is not triggered as much, and therefore I'm not in fight or flight as much, and I'm not stuck in my cortex as much. I can drop down into the primal, liberate things better, be less inflamed, these kinds of things. So when your body's inflamed, like when you eat gluten or something, um, your nervous system will be inflamed, and you'll be more agitated and more irritable. Yep. And... Um, a part of that was definitely my BPD. I was very irritable. Like you could set me off. Everyone's like, we're walking on eggshells around uh-huh. you. Like, oh, so much. Like there's a book called that. I think. Tell me about it. Yes, there is. Walking on eggshells. How to deal with someone with BPD. I know. I know. So shaming. So then my controversial view of it is that I also started to think about who do I know who has BPD? They're always women. I don't think I know one man with BPD. And, you know, the, you have to do a class setting too. And it was mostly teenagers, female teenagers, you know, stuck in their home, kind of trying to do their own thing, but stuck in it. Or a lot of like older rich women who live in also a cage. So I don't know if you've read the book, Women Who Run With the Wolves. Yes. So one of my favorite stories from that is this woman who got to live in this mansion or something and had all these doors. And of course, she opens the one door she's not supposed to. Adam and Mm -hmm. Eve bullshit story, right? (laughs) And it's because this woman lived in a fucking cage. And we are the wild woman. Mm -hmm. Like we are, this is the wild woman archetype. We're put in a cage. No wonder we're looking for these extreme things. No wonder we have extreme emotions because we have nowhere to let them out. We don't have a place to scream and get angry and crawl on the floor and be ugly. We don't have a place to do that. So in my opinion, because Tantra is that, (laughs) that's literally what it is, is like going to your ugliest place. That's what helps liberated and then I found it regulated me a lot more and um, you know other people I talked to as well who've been through Tantra and have been through you know a lot of people um, when I came out about being suicidal in my program uh, the coaching program a few other people wrote to me and they said the same thing they said Tantra changed their life on that like now I it's amazing when I go get really like sad and overwhelmed or depressed like I just don't have those thoughts anymore mm-hmm. and yes I've been healing Lyme disease but I'm not on any um you know mental health pills or anything anymore and I just can't believe how much I've done with regulating my nervous system and you know when I'm really pissed off I go have an orgasm on it so <laughs> It's like the most amazing way to treat mental health is like have fucking orgasms. And that's exactly it, right? Like society took orgasms away from us, you know, took pleasure away from women, burned witches for doing these things that are natural to us. And yeah, so that's my controversial opinion. Oh my goodness. While you're speaking, I'm, I'm having this revelation. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I, uh, feel like that is so true like I was in a relationship not very long ago that I felt like the relationship 
gave me worse BPD. I was like, mm-hmm. why am I like acting this way? Like, I feel like I've gotten BPD times a hundred since being in this relationship. And now that I'm thinking about what you said, it was because I was this caged I felt like I was caged like I was I wanted sex too much like you're obsessed with sex is what they would tell me and like you can't dress sexy unless it's for me and you can't look this way you can't take boudoir photos like all these things I wasn't allowed to do and I was wondering why I was rebelling and going to extremes and I think it was because I was in such fight or flight like just wanting to break free from that cage and liberate myself and you said that I'm like, damn, that makes so much sense. So seriously, much sense. like something about non-monogamy too. Like I, for a long time, I I was obsessed with finding a rich man to take <laughs> care of me, and I would just be in his cage, and that's what I thought I wanted. And then I was kind of in those situations a couple times, and I was so miserable, hating my life. And then, for some reason. I just would not accept non-monogamy. I was like, no, I want monogamy. Mm. Like, I'm obsessed with it. I don't know why. Well, yeah, society, right? Societal constructs. Yeah, exactly. So in Tantra, to a huge thing is returning home, going deeper and deeper into your own authenticity. This is a lot of what I do with the one-on-one work. It's not about becoming me and my goddess and my naked pictures on my Instagram. (laughs) It's about becoming you and finding your authenticity, your path, the things that you're passionate about. And that's what liberates us from living in this cage. And so one of the things on my path is I realized like, I'm just not monogamous. Like I don't believe in it. I've cheated on every single partner I've ever had. Legit, yes. If I had ADD <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I was just like, what is wrong with me? Everyone's, you know, thinking I'm horrible because I've said I've cheated before and things Ugh. like this. It's like, no, like I just was not authentic to myself because society wasn't letting me be. And then therefore I wasn't letting myself and I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know better. You were speaking my language because (laughs) everyone in our, I can't speak about everyone, but here in America, it's like, you're the worst person in the world. If you cheat, like there's Mm -hmm. no excuse to cheat. Cheating is the worst thing you could do to someone like, and yes, it definitely, I've been on both sides, but Mm -hmm. like, I just, this gets my gears going because it's like, I've been tempted to cheat in almost every relationship I've ever had. And I was just in this shame spiral of like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, I'm a terrible person. I can't stay loyal. I'm defective. I can't be trusted. And then that kind of fuels the feelings of like feeling self-pity and self-hatred, self-disgust. Mm-hmm. But it's like monogamy isn't for everyone. It quite literally, I think that we weren't programmed to be monogamous, monogamous back in the day. So it's it's like, yes, it is for some people. It can be so beautiful, but one mold does not fit everyone. And that's what I want people to understand, that there's nothing wrong with you if you want to explore open, poly, non-monogamous relationships. Like, go for it. <laughs> oh, I hear you, sister. Seriously. Yeah. And it's so interesting, too. That's something like about my book that I'm going to highlight as well. It's like, So one of the main places I loved living in was the Middle East. And the Middle East has very different ways of doing things with relationships Mm -hmm. and such. And, you know, even just how they see gay people 
um, you know, they're like gay doesn't really exist. You're just like kind of a sexual being. And of course, like in law and such, like there's horrible things going on. Don't get me wrong. But it's interesting. Like I had this one um, interaction in Palestine where I was staying at this farm and there was this British guy running it and he had this younger Palestinian male lover and the Palestinian guy one time like caught me alone in a room and he was like, do you want a massage? And I was like, uh, no, I don't. And then he's like, oh, well, come on, like, let me give you a massage. I'm like, oh, I have a boyfriend. And he's like, so? I have a boyfriend. And I'm like, oh, wait, what? Like, what? You know, so it's just totally different mentality because, like, imagine you never heard what gay was, you know, but you had an urge to be with the same sex, right? Um, Not that this is everywhere in the Middle East. I'm just talking about, like, some examples. Um, But, you know... Why are, why do they do it wrong in the Middle East and right here? Like, there's so much shame and shit that goes on here. Mm. Like, we're not doing it right here. No. They're not doing it right either. No one's doing it right. Everyone's just trying to figure, figure it, it the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, you know, like I said, like, I've gotten told to shut up so many times for my life. And, and, you know, I used to sugar baby, right? I used to date married men a lot. And... Honestly, I, I would think, I would lie there sometimes at night thinking, like, oh, their wives should thank me because, like, I'm very up on my, like, health and, you know, I'm not playing them. I'm not just trying to take all their money. I'm not trying to steal them from their wife, you know. All I'm doing is having an amazing interaction with this human who needs more, who needs more than what they're in. And they feel trapped that they can't speak it out loud, right? That was my opinion on it. But, you know, other people are like, how can you do that? That's horrible, you know. So it's just about finding your authentic way in this in the situation you're in, right? Yes. sugar Fellow sugar baby myself <laughs> previously. So you are speaking my language. <laughs> I would Work. like to talk about your book. Um, use the word slut. And I would really like to hear how you took that word back and why society thinks that the worst thing a woman could be is a quote unquote slut. Yeah. I mean, I remember in high school, I mean, I was just always open about sex and stuff and I had some traumatizing experiences at hockey boy parties, (laughs) but yeah, I was they would try to bully me about it. Like I would be in class, um, in sex ed, and then my friends never wanted to ask their questions. So they would ask me and then I would raise my hand for them. So I would like keep putting my hand up every time. <laughs> and then all the guys were like, Oh, she must know a lot about sex. Like what a slut. Nah, nah, nah. And I would look at them and be like, Oh, well you obviously don't know anything about sex. So don't call me like, here. Like I can Amen. be whatever I want. And if I want to be a slut, I can be it. Amen. And I mean, it just suits me. Like, that word just suits me. Like, I am a slut. Like, I'm always thinking about getting some. Like, anyone I see, like, I'm sizing them up. Like, I hang out with a lot of gay men here. I live in the West End in Vancouver. And, like, all we do is talk about getting some. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, now I would say I'm a lot more calmed down than I used to be. But that doesn't mean I'm not a slut either. Like, I, there was one girl in our program who gave us a lecture on being sluts. And um, she was in a monogamous, heterosexual relationship. But where she's slutty is 
Um, like she gives her husband a blowjob when her kid is in the other room, mm -hmm. like she'll give it like behind the counter or something, or she'll, um, they imagine they have multiple partners in the bedroom at one time with extra dildos, things like that, right? You can still be a slut. You can be any archetype. You can be any gender. You can be anything. And it's just all about what suits you, right? Yes. You can be a sex worker and not be a slut. Like... You can yeah. be a prude or whatever else you want to call yourself and, you know, be sleeping with people multiple times a day, right? It's just, what are your archetypes? This is another huge thing in Tantra is what are the labels we are put on us? What ones do we want to keep and what ones do we want to shed and what new ones do we want to have now? You know, I'm reclaiming. I'm a slut, queer, witch, priestess. Like, when I introduce myself, I usually say those four things. <laughs> so, you know, and my witchy ancestors now, you know, who were burned in the past are just, like, loving this. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And I'm reclaiming it, right? So, mm. yeah. Love that. Whatever labels you want to put on yourself, that's what it's about. And that's what gender and... Um, sexuality is all about preach preach awesome 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 <laughs> I love it so if someone wants to work with you check out your space and your social medias and websites and all the good things that you have to offer including your book that you're working on uh, where can they find you what are you offering so I would follow me on Instagram Nadia Ledru L-E-D-R-E-W and um, I also have a website, NadiaLedrew.com. You can see there's a link to it there. Just talks a little bit more about me and what I do. Um, I just launched my Pelvic Floor Queen course. So what I really bring you from is the practical knowledge into the magical. So I believe you really need to know your body and yourself in depth and these practical things like how to use your muscles and such. Um, get out of back pain, <laughs> um, these kinds of things. And then I'm going to be having two more courses. Um, the next one's going to be by the end of this year. Um, that one's going to be on sex magic. And then the next one is on orgasm. Um, and then you can work one-on-one -on -one with me. So I do deep diving, one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, we, we go right into it. It's all about you. I hold this container for you. Um, that is like nothing else, really. It's incredible when you really create the space to go from your fear into your power. And that's, that's what I bring you for. And into whatever goddess or god X or queen, priestess, whatever you want to be, that's where we bring you. So. So yummy. Yeah. I love all that. <laughs> such good stuff. Such good yeah. stuff. Well, it was such a pleasure having you on today. I really love this conversation. And I feel like so many people are going to benefit because people need to hear this. I think this is a collective message that we could all take something from. So I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your wisdom, your empathy, your quirkiness. And thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Lauren. And anyone who's listening to this, you know, you're welcome to reach out to me about anything. I love these conversations. Um, so thank you so much. So much gratitude.
Thank you so much for listening to Spiritual and Bipolar with Lauren Coletti. If you would like to support the show, you can enter to win a $25 Avi gift card by rating me five stars and sending me a screenshot of your five-star review via Instagram, which I will list in the show notes. If you are enjoying Spiritual and Bipolar, I would love it if you shared with a friend or someone you think could benefit from the show. I would love to hear from you, so never hesitate to reach out and tell me your thoughts, suggestions for guests and topics, or apply to share your story on the show. All my love.